Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, dizziness, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, and genetic mutations. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your cup of coffee or favorite beverage, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and we are now on episode nine. This episode is going to be covering head injuries and post-concussion, which is A little bit of Dr. Stewart's expertise, would you say, Dr. Stewart? Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Stewart's seen a lot of head injuries, a lot of post-concussion. He's got the equipment to see what kind of concussion is. You know, when I was doing all the research, Dr. Stewart, I had no idea the different types of concussions. Um, I had no idea, you know, that it can cause so many issues, not just at that moment, but down the line as you get older. So. Well, let me just give you a little bit of history about Dr. Stewart and why he's kind of considered an expert in this. Um, He served as team physician for the University of Texas, Stanford University, the Austin Ice Bats, the Amarillo Rattlers, and a personal physician to numerous professional and high-level amateur athletes. Um, I've seen NFL athletes walking in your back door, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sneaking in. I've seen NASCAR drivers sneaking in who've had a bad accident, and I know that um, I can't mention those names and... I know that you helped a lot of them. I know that you also help a lot of high school kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're in Texas here. We are a football country, and Friday Night Lights is a big deal. And I think um, you have a lot of patients on Monday that see you that might get hurt on Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Sometimes sometimes more than others. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know what? So he has um, created a course for Texas coaches. It's a certification course on, on concussion and um, I think it's a great thing because these coaches out there really need to know, you know, what to look for when a kid hits his head. I mean, my little boy falls down, hits his head. I, I go paranoid and think that, oh, my gosh, he may have a concussion. So we're going to get into that with kids, but we're also going to get into adults, and then mm-hmm. we're going to get into treatment. Okay? Okay. So definition of a concussion. This is on the research. You know, I pull a lot of research before every show. Sure. Um, it's a type of traumatic brain injury caused by a bump, blow, or jolt to the head. Um, it can cause be caused by a fall or a blow to the body that causes the head and brain to move quickly. That we're talking about whiplash. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd be a little cautious with that definition. Okay. Uh, basically, what it is is a deceleration injury to the head. And what does that mean? Uh, what means that you've taken the head, a, a body in motion, and you've immediately stopped it from motion. And it hit your skull? Well, the answer is many people, there's two types of concussions. There's a brain concussion where you've actually... decelerated so fast that the brain got injured. Okay. We also know that the inner ear is a very, very sensitive organ and that the inner ear can actually be damaged by a deceleration injury. Okay. Okay? But they can create very similar situations because one's a hardware problem, which means you broke the computer. The other one's a software problem, which means you dinged up some of the information going to the brain, so they can be very confusing. Okay. So it doesn't mean that it's a traumatic brain injury. It means it's a traumatic injury to the head or what we would prefer to call a a deceleration event. Okay, yeah, because they say that it's usually not life-threatening, and most of the time they don't even lose consciousness. Well, that's the problem because what I'm going to tell you is the inner ear is a very sensitive organ. It can sense one degree of movement per second, which is Mm -hmm. 
a dinky little movement. And imagine you smack your head really hard. Which I have. <laughs> and, you know, what's really interesting is that every football player who's played worth a darn knows what it means to get a bell ringer. Yeah. Which means their ears start ringing and anything. So the ear is a fluid-filled structure with hair cells in it. And those hair cells actually have little rocks on top of them called otoconia to make okay. them top-heavy. And they are 100 times more sensitive to injury than the brain is itself. Now, typically, if you're what we talk about when we're talking about concussive forces is we talk about the mechanism of injury, meaning that it's very hard on a football field or a sports field to generate enough force from an injury. doesn't mean it can't happen, but enough force to actually contuse or damage or bruise the brain. Like permanently? Permanently. Okay. Now, in a high-speed car accident, that's a completely different animal. Okay. Do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, because the speed levels. Now, what's really interesting about what we finally decided with concussions, because there's so much confusion on it, and everybody's just scared to death. Yeah. Okay? But basically, um, what we were able to see is something very, very simple. We have this platform posturography device, which basically measures where you are in space. So if we took a, a player who got a significant deceleration or concussional blow and we took them off the field and stuck them on a platform, uh -huh. we would see that they actually were swaying in the plane that they got hit in. I think that's really cool because I've talked about that before. You put a patient on there that forgot they hit their head 20 years ago and you mm -hmm. go, did you hit your head in the front left side in right. this plane? And that's because that's the plane they're swaying in. And that, to me, just blows my mind that that machine can tell you that. Well, so what's really unique about balance is, one, you can't fake it. Yeah. Two, it's the same for a two-year-old to a hundred-year-old. If you damage the brain, the balance just explodes where it's all over the place and there's no semblance of organization. So okay. we can tell very easily if your brain's been messed up. Okay. But if you only damage the inner ear, only the way you got hit or the direction you got hit will be the damaged plane. So you'll see them swaying. If you got hit in the front, you'll sway front to back. Okay. If you got hit in the side, you'll sway sideways. Well, the only thing that can tell you which way you're swaying is the inner ear. Ah. So I like to de define this, which is not widely accepted yet. I think they'll figure it out eventually. Okay. That there's actually a cerebral concussion, which is where you damage the brain. That's a very serious injury. It does almost always have loss of consciousness with it. Okay. And then there's a vestibular concussion. Which and they means, talk about that in some literature. I understand. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> okay, I don't mean a lot to be facetious, <laughs> but I've been saying that for probably since the year 2000. Yeah. And what that really involves is basically an abnormality or a damage to the plane of the inner ear that was involved in the blow. So you treat them completely differently. Completely differently. Because what you would do in a brain injury, which is what neurologists tend to do with all these injuries, is actually put them in a quiet room, don't stimulate them, leave them alone. Uh -huh. uh, in a vestibular concussion, what you typically want to do is get them up and moving and re readjust that system. So they can get their inner ear balanced again? Correct. Now, I'm not saying that when you have somebody who smacked their head and really got a bad blow and doesn't know where they are that they don't go get an MRI or CT, Yeah. mostly a CT scan to make sure they haven't injured themselves. But once I'm, what I'm saying is once that's cleared and you've made sure that it's not really a bleed or a contusion or something that's damaged the brain, yeah. that we have to put them on some special devices, like a platform posturography. We measure the inner ear. We do things to determine where the injury is and how we address it. Well, let me ask you this. What about those people that can't, of course, get in to see you, but um, they, they hit their head, you know, uh, mildly, let's say? 
how do you know the extent of when you should go to the emergency room? Well, there is a side that's what I think a lot of people mm-hmm. want to know. There is a sideline testing protocol we developed, and it's not just here, follow my finger, where are you? That's the standard American College of Neurology. Sounds like a cop doing a sobriety test. That's pretty much what it is, <laughs> but even a cop is not just going to ask you where you are. They're going to make you walk heel to toe and yeah. make you close your eyes. So we employed, we um, implemented that in a sideline testing protocol Okay. where we have you essentially stand with your feet together with your eyes closed, one foot in front of the other, actually jog a straight line, turn around, jog back with your eyes closed. Oh, wow. And what we assumed, instead of trying to say cognitively, where are you, all that kind of stuff, basically, to make a long story short, if somebody can't jog a straight line, they there's no reason they belong back in that football game or that basketball game or anywhere yeah. else. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So what we were saying is we need to be more functional as opposed to more cognitive, mm-hmm. meaning... Like I said, if you really can't stand stand up straight, what in the world would you be? Nobody wants you back in the game. Yeah, and what makes me sad, too, is I just heard on the news last week that another high school student died, you know, on the field, uh, got put back in play after being hit really hard in the head. Well, but that's probably not the return. It probably was the original injury. Mm-hmm. And what usually happens in that uh, scenario is that either some type of intracranial hemorrhage or bleed occurred. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of anatomical problems that can cause those problems. And the biggest issue is that everybody, when they're, when they're faced with something with no knowledge, is always going to choose the conservative path. And that means that we're going to freak out at every little deal. Okay. So to give you some examples, what I've been seeing a lot of lately are players who have headaches and they've had recurrent headaches and they finally tell their coach that they've got headaches and they were like, oh, my God, you had a concussion. And they pull them out and they stay out the whole season. And we find out they never had an injury that would uh, actually show a concussion. But because they were having headaches, they weren't let. And that is just caused by something else. Well, caused by other headache problems. Sure. Yeah. So there's just this whole discussion about it. Now, the biggest issue that I can tell you, the way that we are advocating approaching this is very simple. Concussion is really not the problem. You are not going to stop concussions, no matter what your helmet design is, no matter what your your uh, bias toward um, penalties, et cetera. Concussions mm-hmm. are going to happen. Of course. Okay? If football really wanted to stop concussions, they'd go back to leather helmets. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. But what we really want to know is how do we recover these people? Wait, why do you say leather helmets? Because uh, the helmet in football is a weapon. And that, that lets, people, so that lets that, people lead with their head. Very interesting. I never looked at it that way. Most people don't, but you know, I so talk to a lot of football So you won't go players. after somebody if you got a leather helmet on, right? More than likely not. Ah. Actually, rugby players don't get a whole lot of concussions. Really? Mm-mm. I mean, they're kind of I mean, questionable not. in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all you rugby players out there. No offense, but, you know, the whole idea is they don't lead with their head. They learn to tackle appropriately. Yeah, because when you hear two helmets smack together, that just, that just scares me. Sure. And so we are not going to stop concussions, okay, not from that standpoint. But what we have to understand is there is a genetic predisposition to the ability for every person to recover from a concussion. Uh-huh. You can literally see, for instance, in the, in the, you know, we'll talk about football in general. You can see one injury that looks horrible, and the guy gets knocked out, and the next week he's back playing just fine. Really? And then you see another guy who barely gets dinged, 
and he's knocked out and he won't recover for months. Yeah, and they say that once you have a concussion, you're more prone to another concussion. You're well, easy. if you don't do anything, nothing ever happens. And that's where post-concussion comes in. Right, because if you damage the inner ear, every time you damage the inner ear after that, it gets worse. I gotcha. You following me? I'm totally following you. Yeah, so, because they talk about memory disturb. They talk about early symptoms. They talk about the headache, the that's dizziness, That's because you're confusion. talking about neurologists who only look at symptoms. Yeah. They don't have a test. But I'm talking about like if you just had hit just your head. Just listen. Okay. They don't have a test. They talk to you, and they base every, all their treatment on symptoms. Mm-hmm. Okay? Football players lie. Because <laughs> they want to get back in and play. Absolutely. Okay. Athletes who are good athletes lie. I would lie my butt off back at that age to get back in the game. Gotcha. So we cannot rely on communication from these young teenage young men and young women who are athletes because they will lie. We have to have objective foundation data to be able to prove to take the liability off the coaches, to take the liability off the parents, to take the liability off the doctors to understand when it's appropriate and when it's not. Well, I guess what I was trying to get at is, you know, for those that that don't have the technology that you have. So can you tell I'm really fired up about? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know (laughs) this. I knew that this was going to be a very uh, big, you know, thing close to your heart because you know concussions are, are something that you just see so often and I know that now let it, me let me give you a foundation after we come back I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a little bit more about my philosophy if you don't have the tools there is a way to deal with it okay and it's a program that we actually develop that hopefully will be implemented sometime in the next couple of years at the NFL level um, it's basically a concept of looking at biomarkers, understanding risk, and assuming that every player who walks on a court or a field is going to get a concussion, and we're already preparing them to recover. Okay. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about, too, just because me having a six-year-old son, he got hit in the head with a soccer ball the other night, you know, and I'm looking at his eyes to try and see if they're dilated and stuff. Like, how, how do you know without going to the doctor if... I'll show you. Okay. You want to tell us when we get back? Yep. Okay. And we're going to talk about what can happen if you don't take care of it and treatment um, that you can do at home, you know, or through Dr. Stewart uh, to help you get over that concussion and hopefully don't suffer for the rest of your life. So we will be right back with a very exciting show of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. All right, and we are back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart, Episode 9. We are in a heated conversation about post-concussion and mild head injury. Dr. Stewart is... This is his passion. Um, you know, he gets frustrated because, you know, there's a lot of people out there walking around with post-concussion that he sees. And if he had just had them a few years earlier, maybe he could have done a lot more. But it's a little bit harder to recover from um, if you let it go. So, Dr. Stewart, we were just talking about before break 
with the athletes, you know, that, that get concussion and you were talking about how the neurologists, you know, take a picture and they ask their symptoms. Keep going on that because that was very okay, interesting. Okay, so the biggest problem is I want you to relate the brain to a computer. You certainly can't take a picture of a computer and tell how well it works. Mm-hmm. You have to turn the computer on and you have to find out how it works and you have to use tests that essentially nobody can fake. Okay. okay? So in our office, we'll do tests like checking the health of the inner ear, balance platforms, et cetera. When you don't have that type of stuff, it's pretty simple. You do what's called a Romberg. You have the patient or the athlete stand or the person stand with both their feet together and have them close their eyes and see if they can maintain their posture for standing up straight for 10 seconds. 10 okay? seconds. Okay. Then to go a little bit further, we put one foot in front of the other and you have them close their eyes. And a lot of times we will see that they can't maintain their posture and they're falling over. Okay. Okay. Now, that person obviously doesn't belong in an athletic performance. Or needs to rest. Now, there are some people that can't do that in the beginning. So that's why if we really had our druthers, we'd pre-screen all these athletes with some type of technique. Oh, now I see what you were saying. Okay. Pre-screening. Pre-screening is always the best because you have a standardized test that you can compare post-screening. Now, they have these concussion cognitive function tests, Mm -hmm. but that measures cognition. What about the people who are not very smart in the first place? Yeah, that's true. It's not the SATs. (laughs) Okay. And they don't write it in inner city ebonics. Yeah. Or they don't write it in Spanish. Uh Aha. Do you understand? So in Texas... Maybe that's not the greatest screening technique. So if you're saying that, you know, your seventh grader wants to play football, you probably need to do some of these tests that you're talking about just to make sure that they're ready to play. Well, you can't fake balance. Yeah. Okay. So the whole idea is we we endorse pre-screening with not only cognitive performance tests, but also with some type of platform posturography. And if we want to get more, more technical, we can. But those are tests that you can't fake that are foundational principles of function. And besides your clinic... Ba- the balance tests, you can go get those at balance centers, right? Yeah, balance centers have them, and a lot of institutions have them now. I mean, we started doing that back in the probably 2001 at the University of Texas. Okay, we were doing checking. Balance, check. because you can't fake it. It's the same for all ages. Okay. Okay, now, here's the deal. The concussion's really not the problem. Okay. The recovery from the concussion's the problem. That's the part I want to get to. Right. So, here's what we know. Um, I have yet to see... A patient who does not cut recover from a concussion who does not have a methylation issue. Really? Correct. Do you think they got the concussion because they had a methylation no, issue? No, they got the concussion because they had a concussion injury. The reason they didn't recover from the concussion ah. is because of the methylation issue. The way you heal the nervous system requires appropriate delivery of folic acid, mitochondrial energy, requires requires inflammation control, requires all the standard things, just like the way we heal any other nervous system structure. Okay. Do you understand? Yes. So the way we heal a concussion is exactly the way we heal a vertigo patient, except we may not have to control chronic infections. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah, I do. Now, what we do at the top levels, or what we are endorsing, is we are now becoming very aware because of genetics that there are specific genetic markers that show a higher risk of poor recovery of concussion injuries. Okay. What we are now endorsing is pre-screening all athletes Mm -hmm. for those genetics. And you're talking of any age? Any age. Now, this is NFL because these guys make their paycheck, and if they don't play, they don't make a paycheck. Exactly. We have to assume that every NFL player, even the kicker that walks onto the field, is going to have a concussion. Okay. We just have to make that because it's their livelihood. It's a rough game, yeah. So if we can look at them pre-season or pre-injury or pre 
um, pre-competition performance, or excuse me, genetically, and we can overcome those genetics and make them ability, their ability to recover quite a bit more significant, we have already helped that potential concussion. You know, and I know that in your clinic, you have a lot of athletes that come in that just want to be better athletes. Sure. Okay. So you put them on a nutrition protocol and you put them on some other things that, Mm -hmm. that, that hopefully get their sensory integrated, their systems integrated. It's the same process. What they don't realize we're doing the way we do that is we're also preventing their concussion recovery. So we're making them the best that they can possibly be. Exactly. So athletic enhancement, because it deals with dopamine, because it deals with health of nerves and delivery of nerves and nerve recovery has everything to do with concussion recovery too so you got a patient that comes in and they had a concussion Mm -hmm. okay of course you're going to tell them to rest they've got to rest the brain they've got to sleep they've got to no not necessarily if they have that one type of (laughs) not the vestibular concussion the inner ear i'm already because you know what if you don't have any gas in your car you can rest it as long as you want and it's still not going to start well i'm asking you what would be the nutrition (laughs) protocol so what we need the methylation part. What typically involves in a person who is delayed in their recovery, meaning they don't recover quickly. Okay. She typically have a methylation problem. So you're going to use the neuroimmune stabilizer lotion or the methylation complete. Okay. They're probably going to need some methylfolate plus. Okay. They may need some mitochondrial restore. Okay. Okay. They may need some immune recovery because we do know that the a lot restore? of people who don't recover from concussions, actually, when we check their immune cells, they're not very healthy. Now, what about toxins like glutathione? Because using glutathione, because glutathione helps tremendously. And okay. why does that? Tell me how that works with this type of injury. Well, now you just asked a huge question. Okay. But, um, <laughs> glutathione is basically made through a methylation pathway. It is the body's primary chemical cleanser, mm-hmm. but is also a very powerful anti-inflammatory and a very powerful signaling molecule for cells. Okay. So what glutathione does is pull chemical toxins back out of the cell. It's the only thing that we know of that can enter a cell and pull toxins out of the mitochondria. So it strengthens the mitochondrial energy because our batteries essentially get clogged with toxins of chemical nature over time. They also provides great inflammation control, and it's second only to steroids for controlling inflammation. And the first step of healing is always inflammation control. Correct. And also it has a lot to do with how the DNA material and the health of signaling for recovery gets communicated within the cell. Okay. Okay, so glutathione, if you have a methylation issue and you're dealing with a concussion recovery status, you probably do need some glutathione. And we're talking, and this this could be in the category of whiplash, because basically sure. that's what you're that's talking about. That's a deceleration about. event. A deceleration event. Doesn't okay. matter if it's on the football field, doesn't matter if it's a car wreck, doesn't matter if you were... I mean, I just got the classic. A baby walking sure. falls over. I mean, I can't tell you what I hear. I mean, I'll kill guys who played D1 football and got taken off for a concussion, put on rest, but decided to play football on the street and ran into a car, you know. <laughs> I met an ex-NFL player the other day, um, and he just got signed with the Ravens a, a few years back, and he was walking up the stairs to a restaurant and fell back and busted his head open and lost his contract. And That's I was right. just like, you weren't even on the playing field. Right. It's so frustrating. Listen, you got to understand, even at the NFL, most of these guys are young kids. Yeah, they're They 20s. make mistakes. And if you think back, most of us did dumb things when we were young. Well, we're all having fun. You got a little money in your pocket. Sure. So the whole idea is concussions, the way I tend to approach it, because I want to help people, is not to be avoidant. Okay. Not to say, oh, well, you had a concussion, you had one, you could you could kill yourself the next one, you need to quit football. You just want to make sure they're ready. What I want to do is say, what is this telling us about your body's ability to recover and heal in general and be healthy? 
Now, if you damage something like the brain or the inner ear Mm -hmm. and you don't fix it, the next time you damage it, it gets worse. Yeah, and that's where that comes into play, like with ADD. Right, and the and next time you damage loss. it again, it gets worse. And is that kind of is that kind of like like a boxer would um, over time? Sure. They keep getting that head blow, head blow, head blow. Sure. They don't give themselves time to recover, and next thing you know, they've got Alzheimer's or dementia. Well, or Parkinson's, but not all of them get it. Ah, because the methylation piece. There are, so uh. there are people who recover a whole lot better than other people. Again, it's like a Rubik's Cube. It's That's clicking right. and clicking and clicking for me, at least for me. I hope it is for y'all. Um, one other thing in the post-concussion with the evaluation. So let's say, let's take my son, for example. He's six. He falls and he hits his head. Or like last night, you know, getting hit with a soccer ball. I would put his feet together, close his eyes. Probably not at a six-year-old. What you'd just do is tell him to run. And if he can run? If he can run pretty straight and move around pretty good, then you're not dealing with it. Well, first got to get him to stop crying. Right. (laughs) That's a given. But what you're doing is you, you take it with a grain of salt. Now, typically the nicest thing about dealing with young kids, with the exception of motor vehicle accidents and stuff, is that even the soccer ball traveling at the speed that they kick it is not really sufficient to, to cause an injury. Okay. Now, what about people that know that they got a, a concussion 20, 15 years ago and now want have memory loss, have some ADD? Um, can you follow the same rules. Follow you feed the, same. the brain what it needs to recover. Put back in the body because what it Because the reason be the brain is not doing or not recovering is because something is missing. But can they come in and see you for... Sure. Yeah. That's what I do. And you'll put them on full of... The full sensory view testing and blood work. And That's what I'll do. I'll prove it because the whole idea is the reason neurologists as a general rule approach concussions the way they do is because they have no proof of when people are bad or better. Yeah. And that testing report that you get, you They prove basically it. are listening to you. Yeah. Now, what about that lying athlete? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you'll lose your job if you say that this oh, or that. Oh, yeah, NFL players, they, they're smart dudes. They I'm just talking about the corporate world. You know, people can't say, oh, I know, I feel fine. I feel fine. You know, that, and they're suffering from a migraine. You can see at their desk right. that they're in severe pain. So we've got a, we, when we, we've talked about this a lot. We talk about it with the UIL instructional course for the coaches and stuff. The whole idea is that there's such a liability and scared sensitivity around it, mm-hmm. and there's not a widespread acceptance that – you know, you're going to have to seek it out yourself because what most doctors are going to do is just tell you to not be involved in anything anymore. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's the safe way. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what the doctors on the coach on the teams are supposed to do for you. Tell you when you go, you go back to play, right? Yeah, but that's called a guess. Yeah. Well, if you have had a concussion or um, one in the past or are afraid, you know, do some of the tests that Dr. Stewart says you can do on yourself. I mean, close your eyes and and put your feet together and see if you can balance. Um, I, I remember when I went through that vertigo spell, you know, that was after I also hit my head because I fell into the wall. Yep. Probably had a concussion because I remember falling off your platform <laughs> yep. and couldn't stand up on it. So a little bit of both there. Sure. It's amazing how everything just falls in line with one another. Sure. Well, we want to thank you again for a great show, Dr. Stewart. Thanks for your opinions and advice i know this is something that you work really hard on with all the other um certification courses that you you teach to coaches and there's a video that he 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 did for uh, texas coaches that they have to go and watch to be certified in concussions and um we just thank you so much and i hope you can join us next week next week 
we're going to be talking about something that's really hard to talk about for a lot of people. We're going to be talking about cancer, and then we're going to be talking about viruses. And it's a large topic. It could be a two-show topic. Right now, we're going to try and see what we can get out in 30 minutes. But I hope you can join us next week for Episode 10 for Viruses and Cancer. And with that said, I'm Kara Mullins, and I'm going to hope you have a blessed Sunday, and we will see you soon. The views expressed by show hosts or their guests are their own and shall not be construed in any way as advice in place of your own medical practitioners. We encourage you to seek professional advice or care for any problem which you may have.